it has not been a fun uh, five days for me. Well, hopefully this will put Sorry you in high that. spirits. The net net of this is do not pop ibuprofen like it's going out of fucking style and drink monster energy drinks like they're fucking going out of style because you will trash your fucking stomach in like three months flat. The only good thing that's come out of it is I've lost seven pounds. So I've got that going for me, which is nice. (laughs) You guys want to talk about the hundred now? I guess. Okay, so I'm not going to do the regular opening because I'm I'm sick and tired of saying it because it's like, uh, hello and welcome to the agriculture podcast where we (laughs) talk about farm equipment. It's so boring. Agriculture, dude. Agriculture. Do I have to explain to you? Wait, so are we going to get into farm station and the cannibalism? Is that where this is going? We'll get into farm station and cannibalism when we talk about season three. But this is May We Geek Again, episode four, where we're talking about the last five episodes of season ho one. My name is Jennifer. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. My name is Joe. <laughs> and my name is Shaheen. I'm sorry, guys. I wasn't. I this is worse than what would would have would have been if you just did the regular one. But I'm with you, Jen. I support you in in trying to get away from that what we had before. Well, thanks. I guess. Uh, I guess the disclaimer should be that I am on opioid drugs right now. So if <laughs> if I just kind of like legally. Legally, I might add. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to disclose. Hey, guys, I'm just doing lines of Coke off my computer right now. Um, (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Coke is not an opioid. Yep. No, it's not. All right. Totally Uh, derailed. Nitpicky. Anyway, so um, this is episode four of May We Geek Again. Uh, We talk about the hundred and stuff. Oh, so I just want to shout out and... and, um, Remind everybody to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at May We Geek Again. We're also on Facebook at May We Geek Again. Um, so if you guys want to stay up to date on what we're talking about uh, when we'll pub- be publishing new podcasts, follow us on Twitter. Twitter's the best way. Uh, Facebook is the second best way. So I guess let's get into it. We're talking about the last five episodes of season one. And those are Unity Day, um, written by Kim Shumway and Kira Schneider, uh, I Am Become Death by T.J. Brady and Rashid Newsom, The Calm by Bruce Miller, and then We Are Grounders Part 1 by Tracy Belomo and Akilah Cooper, and then We Are Grounders Part 2, uh, written by Jason Rothenberg. See how much better I am when I can just like read aloud from a piece of paper? So much better. <laughs> we come to the end of Season 1, guys. And I, for some reason, season one holds this special place in my heart. Um, even though it had has its issues, even though it started off really weakly as far as uh, being a good show, it, it came across as your typical CW show. There's something really wonderful about season one of The 100, and I think it's because it's so well encapsulated and that the real focus of this is the relationships between the the hundred 
there isn't a lot of world building going on. There isn't a lot of far-flung stories going on. So I think that from a which is my favorite season perspective, this might be my second favorite season after season two. Um, what are your guys, when you guys came to the end of watching this for the second time for Joe and probably the, the 30th time for Shaheen, <laughs> well, you know, what were your, what were your thoughts when you came to the conclusion of this, this season again? I, I forgot kind of how much tension that they were able to build in those, like, especially like sort of the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just, you know, getting into the last actual episode, um, knowing how it's going to turn out. Like, obviously I know where season two, you know, picks up or whatever, but I forgot how much just really good storytelling tension that they sort of built, um, especially since we got to meet Anya and like, she's this, you know, very mysterious and stoic character. And then whatever, he- like, I, I don't even know the grounder's name, but the, the, the guy who comes in and takes over for her. Um, is that Tristan? You know, Tristan? Is, yeah. Is, yeah. Did yeah, he Tristan. have a name? Mm. Yeah, Tristan, I believe. You know, and and sort of seeing that, you know, there's this other, like, there's, that sort of gave the indication that there's, you know, a huge grounder world that we're not even aware of. You know, we kind of found out that there is a commander, you know, this mm. sort of thing. Um, so I was just kind of, I forgot how much I really liked the finale. And in some ways... I mean, I would rank the finales as season three being my least favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I would rank this finale as being my favorite over season two because of sort of the suspense that they were able to build and then launching us right into Clark being, you know, waking up in this sterile white room and not knowing what the fuck is going on. Um, I actually really, really like that. Shaheen, what about you? I agree with uh, what you said about it having a, a special place. And I'm, I, I kind of wish that I could erase my mind and go back to when I didn't know everything that was coming and every dialogue and everything, and I could just watch the whole thing again. But um, I often watch shows, when I rewatch them, I watch them for the sort of uh, inconsistencies or, you know, ish, um, aspects that show clearly that the writer or the writer's didn't know where they were going with the story and they kind of changed it later on. Um, you know, and it, and it happens all the time. I mean, even the first Star Wars, when it, when it, when um, George Lucas wrote it, he didn't mean to do a lot of the things that he ended up doing. Darth Vader wasn't supposed to be, for example, you know, a certain character's father. But anyway. I don't want to spoil Star Wars. <laughs> But anyway, um, Luke's father, fuck it. Yeah. Shit. It's on you. Whoa. Whoa. Um, Yeah. But, but the hundred always impresses me. The point is the the hundred always impresses me because um, it's hard to find those things. I mean, there are some things that they dropped and never picked up again, like the two headed horses. Yeah. I love those. Um, But you know, even like with mutations, they've been consistent that there are mutations. So everything is pretty consistent and I'm impressed by that. That's all I'm trying to say. If we're talking about some of the the key themes that we're going to be looking at for this season and probably throughout the, the rest of the seasons as well, what, what are some of uh, you guys' favorite themes introduced or touched upon in this episode? So we talked about this uh, idea of uh, war and how you know it's hard to pinpoint responsibility in war when the war starts and who's at fault etc uh, and one of the things that happens not 
about war in general necessarily, but individual events, <clears throat> like when we hear there was a massacre in a village or something or something, this happened, like I'm talking about real life. And we, uh, we hear these people are put on trial um, and then the results are sometimes surprising. I think sometimes it's because, and I'm not saying there is no injustice or anything, but sometimes it's because if you were really there, it would be really hard to say what happened, who shot first, you know. Um, but all we know is that something went down and it, it got it got ugly. Uh, and I really like this bridge scene because it it satisfies that. And it's really hard to get this right in a movie. But the way it was shot and it was like they were already paranoid. It was kind of vague. It kind of looked like the grounders were about to shoot, but it was never confirmed. It was kind of unclear. So it was really well done. And it goes with that theme of complications and responsibility, both causally and morally. So uh, I like that. I think one of the things about the bridge scene that that kind of gets glossed over um, when when people consider it is that when uh, Anya says, you know, you your people launched missiles that that burnt down a village of ours. Um, mm-hmm. Clark's at first like, uh, that's not what we had intended to do. Those weren't missiles. Those were flares to let our people know that we were still alive. But then, you know, Clark's like, but I can see your point. Mm-hmm. Um, so Clark doesn't posture up and try to be all tough with Anya. She's very conciliatory um, and willing to have a discussion and, and compromise um, in this meeting. And had they not had they not been both extremely paranoid of one another and brought their back up, um, had trigger trigger happy Jasper and uh, grounders and trees with arrows cocked and ready to go. Some real headway could have been made here, but of course that doesn't yeah. lead to really good storytelling now, does it? So <clears throat> I think it, it's really important to note that not only did, did not only was Clark chosen as the right person to go to this by Lincoln, because Lincoln was, was pointedly asked by uh, pointedly asked by Finn, I believe it was, who should go to either Finn or, Finn or Octavia, who should go and meet Anya. Uh, Lincoln said Clark. He knew that Bellamy was not the right person for that conversation. So yeah. I think that was just an interesting uh, point uh, of that um, that conversation on on the bridge. Um, I think we had some pretty interesting world building moments that filled out a little bit of what life on Earth and up on the Ark was like. So Joe, what were some of your uh, favorite world building moments of these five episodes? Um, the one that there's, there was a few, one that kind of definitely jumps to mind, um, was, uh, when the grounders kidnap Finn and Clark and bring them to this, I don't know, like cement room or whatever cave. And I guess the little girl that had been like, you know, blown up, um, on the bridge was revealed to be Anya's second. And I think that that sort of really, drove home how different um, these two sort of like groups of people were. Um, But then also in some ways very similar uh, because she's talking to, you know, essentially children, kids, Clark and Finn, who, you know, are, were, were set to die basically, you know, sort of in just like a technicality of like, oh, well, they first have to turn 18 before we can like send them out into space to die. Um, And, you know, Clark thinks that this little girl being part of sort of this war culture as being this very sort of savage and and ruthless thing. Well, what about Charlotte? 
like that little girl was about the same age as Charlotte or, you know, give or take a couple of years. How how sort of different, you know, are they really? And I think that that was probably kind of a point that they were trying to make that there isn't really childhood in these in these cultures. Yeah. As soon as you start talking about that little girl, the thing that popped in my mind was Charlotte. I'm like, what really separates these two cultures other than the pretense of civilization, right? Because um, once you strip away the pretense of civilization, aka you send the, the delinquents to the ground, they can do anything that they want, whether, whatever the hell we want. So it's kind of like Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, where you send Kurtz off into the wilderness to to do stuff, and he becomes a savage and becomes an awful, awful human being. Well, once you leave society and leave the the shackles of of what a civil human being should be behind, you can become anything. And I think having a little girl as a second to a great warrior is probably better than having a little girl going off and and slicing people's, you know, lopping people's heads off. I think that's a better society because you are teaching a child to survive in a very harsh environment versus, well, let the, let's just let Charlotte run off and, and do whatever the hell she wants and not, you know, have any sort of, of mentorship or supervision over her. So I think, uh, I, I think that's kind of a cool and interesting parallel that I never would have really thought about before rewatching season one. But yeah, I kind of, that scene was interesting too, especially when you find out a little bit more about who Anya was and who her first second was. Right, exactly. And like that, mm-hmm. yeah, that's something that I'm a little miffed, I guess, that we won't really get, we probably won't really get into, uh, especially now that sort of like the Lexa, um, you know, almost grounder, commander storyline is kind of wrapped up probably um is how old was lexa when she you know was a second and how old was she with when she was then pulled to become you know a possible commander potential um i think that that those are like questions that i'm a little sad that they're more nebulous because it would be i I find that part of the world building to be really really interesting because there's there's no way that that Lexa, if she was you know eleven or twelve, that you know she never like got stabbed or something like that, you know during grounder training. So people would have known that she was a nightblood. And so I'm you know I'm curious when you know all of these different types of training uh, begin for for these kids. I want to say that I like that scene too. Um, I I like this whole setup that they that starts with this episode called Calm, where you know you have this sort of uh, two world setup. That goes back and forth between like, the world of the sky people and the grounders, roughly speaking, or it's like Mount Weather and the ground. Or um, and usually one of them is very technologically advanced, and the other one is not. So you get like a parallel, two par- like parallel stories, and it's really interesting in different ways. Um, so I like that a lot, and I like that we got some time with the grounders. And while I, while I agree with you guys that there's a lot of hypocrisy. M- like moral hypocrisy on both sides and um, a lot of holier than thou attitude. Uh, I do want to say that I feel like I'm stating the obvious, but the grounders are not nice people. <laughs> um, and, and we'll, we'll come back to this when we, when we get to season three, I think this I mean, becomes very important. But I don't these know why people, I mean, crew? where do I start? Like, like these our sky people nice are people? not uh, like, yeah, like the, the, they have a very violent mm. culture. They have a very twisted sense of justice. And their solution to everything is uh, s- stab it. 
like these yeah i mean we can go into the details like they spear someone almost kill him and then string him up as a warning uh they crucify people at randomly you know they have no sense of this is a civilian this is a militant this is a kid this is a grown-up they just kill people randomly and we give them a free pass i think i think the grounders get a free murder pass in this show because and i think that really that's uh that's concerning because i think from the point of the viewer uh that does mean that you're putting them in a lower place where you know you're uh you're looking down on them by saying um oh, you know they're grounders they can't help it no every time they kill someone it counts I mean, what would you say if the Sky Crew randomly kills a kid in the woods and kidnapped two others and then threatened to murder one of them if the other one doesn't heal someone that they want healed? Like, if this, if the Sky people did this to, to a bunch of grounder kids, we would have a completely different reaction. But I mean, so, but did we, though? Like, when, when they, in season three, when they went and, you know, murdered an entire grounder army. Yeah, um, yeah, we did. Like, I mean, we were like, oh, my God, what horrible people. No, I, I like, yeah, I thought they were like, we didn't too. just watch Grounders blow up 49 people for no reason, you know, like <sighs> for absolutely no reason. Like it's well, I think we I should think, we should note both sides of the situation. Well, no, I think I think obviously the Grounders are kind of set up to be like the this quote unquote savages that are, you know, technologically are not advanced, are warlike, blah, blah, blah. But Sky Crew, again, I'll go back to that whole, just because you have the, the, the robe of civilization on doesn't mean that you're actually any better. Um, because if you commit a crime on the Ark, no matter how petty, if you're above the age of 18, you're floated. Nobody questions that among, among, the, among the people in Sky Crew. So, <clears throat> right. But notice it's, it's a law, right? And it's there for, to deal with lack of resources. And as soon as they come to the ground, according to the Exodus Charter, uh, there is no capital punishment anymore. But they just just shocklash people. They just string people up and shocklash them in front of everybody. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Right, like death isn't always the worst thing that can happen to you. Um, But it's also like, it's it's according to the law, it's not for vengeance. It's not, you know, it's just because that's the law and they do it begrudgingly. They're never happy about floating people. Um, whereas, you know, it's, it's very different. I mean, it's different in attitude and it's, in, it's different in how it's interpreted. But it's, I mean, it's not all about just the quantity, but I think the, even quantitatively, we can, if we want to count how many people the grounders are okay with killing, you know, I mean, they were trying to wipe out all of these people. I mean, all they've done throughout the series is offer not to wipe them out. Well, um, so they're they're they view Sky Crew as a threat. So it's understandable that if you have a threat that comes into your territory, you want to wipe it out, especially if it's a more advanced. Well, if that's threat. understandable, then it should be understandable on both sides. We shouldn't hold them. All I'm saying is we shouldn't hold them to different sta- standards. I don't. If it's I don't okay hold to murder to people because they you 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 interpret I'm never, them I'm as never a threat. Saying it's okay. I'm never saying then it's okay it should to be okay murder on people. both sides. way to take the moral high ground there jen i'm not uh, thanks because it's really hard to get there it's like a low bar to jump over i'm not saying it's for nosebleeds (laughs) okay so here here comes my my hurt angry self (laughs) 
hurt, angry, drugged out self. I'm not saying it's okay to murder people. I'm not saying that we should hold people to different standards. I'm just saying that the environment is completely different. You're talking about like, you're talking about two civilizations that have grown, that have evolved from one spot and then, then diverged for 97 years. If you buy that or, or not, whatever. And then you bring them back together again you're going to have differences in those societies. And I'm not, I don't let grounders off the hook for killing people. And I don't let sky crew off the hook for killing people. They do it for different reasons. They have their own set of reasons. I mean, I'm not going to play the cultural relativism, uh, relativism, um, card because I think that's a fucking load of bullshit. Some, (laughs) you're, sometimes you're just fucking wrong, regardless of what your fucking culture is. I, I just don't think that we can paint one, you know, one as, culpable and the other as well they're not as culpable because they're they have laws they have reasons for things we don't know what the grounder culture is as far as what are the laws between must blood must have blood what are the rules for you know cutting people or whatever well, we know what it's are okay the laws to kick of people out of windows for disagreeing with you yeah but that's just awesome i mean come on and then I mean, when, yeah, when yeah. they do it, it's awesome. That was the that was the will. And then when law. someone executes, <laughs> when someone executes like, a cool the plotter, law. Don't be a dick. Boot. Yeah. So you can you can kick people out of windows uh, and kill them for dissent, but um, you know when someone gets executed, when a coup plotter gets executed according to the law. That's somehow like the horrible, the most horrible thing Getting in the world. Booted, so good. he was just not double standards. He was I'm not booted saying, out of the window for for uh, dissent. There was yes, a political was. reason for booting that guy out the window. Well, to yeah. hold there, on there to was her a power. Mul- there were multi reason reasons to hold for booting that guy power. out the window. Hey, guys from the other clans, watch me do this. Exactly. Who else wants to speak up? There were multiple exactly. facets to, to that action. To, to oppress people, to oppress our own people. That that was the reason. To oppress I, her I don't own know people. if oppress is the right word necessarily. Like, all right, she, wait, guys, we are get, we are getting yeah, into we're, a, we're rabbit, getting we getting into a rabbit hole. We're still we're still trying to talk about season one here. So I want to go into some of my world building moments. I thought United Day has been something that's been uh, built upon season after season, and in season three, it finally comes to a culmination where we we actually learn what happens. Unity was first was first talked about in 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 the end of season one, where we we understood that twelve stations came together to, to form the arc, and then Finn's like, yeah, well, it's kind of like a bullshit uh, a holiday because a thirteenth station was blown out of the sky, but we never talk about that guy, so it's kind of like you know the weird uncle. Um, in the family that nobody ever talks about. So I really liked that part of, of it. I liked the kind of the ritual of doing the little uh, pledge or whatever they say for it. And then, of course, you have another horrible moment on the 100 where an act of domestic terrorism takes place and Unity Day, Unity Day, Unity Day <laughs> gets blown the fuck up by Diana. Awesome. Who, again. again. Yeah, I mean... I, Diana, I swear to God. Here's the thing. If you ever watched Battlestar Galactica, you knew the moment you saw her, you were like, mm-mm. <laughs> she's, no. she's bad news. That you do not bad trust her. She has that face. She's just like, mm, she's very like you don't come feline. off as sincere. Like when she's like, that's right. You're going to see your daughter soon. It's like, mm, I don't know why this makes me uncomfortable. You seem ominous. You sound, you sound very ominous. 
I will say that I like this as part of this is more a part of the whole class struggle that goes on in the yeah. arc. I I kind of I'm kind of sad that the Exodus ship crashed and Mount Weather made it crash. Yeah. We find we later find out because I would have loved to see Diana <laughs> wreak some fucking hell on Earth too, because right. that would have been some interesting political shit going on down there too. Like, what if she? What if Diana had had landed and she's like met Lexa before Clark or Abby or Kane ever met Lexa. And she's like, Hey, these other guys coming from the sky, they are bad news. So we <laughs> should, we should huddle up and figure out how to kill them all. Imagine what could have fucking happened. The series could have turned completely left turn and gone in a completely I mean, different direction. It, it could have, it could have, but I would, I would argue that it wouldn't because uh, you know, and this is getting ahead. Once we sort of meet Lexa and figure out sort of the leader that she is, I don't think she would have fallen for that bullshit. Oh, yeah. She probably wouldn't have been like us. Like, oh, I saw Star Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. No, uh, <laughs> Lexa is a very big Starbucks fan. <laughs> of course she is. Duh. Uh, it's a good example of uh, high, the being high stakes because you would normally, they wouldn't kill off a villain that they built up to this degree and you know so I, i'm kind of it's kind of great that she dies because it's you know uh, not very predictable in my opinion but yeah i agree um i would have wanted to see her cause more trouble later can, can yeah, we talk about right. diana for a second um so i think it's interesting the 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 story of unity day that episode the way that it's told diana is like is the bad guy in that episode and you know she does all this shitty stuff she blows people off and you know she takes off with a an exodus ship but at the very end she says something that you know when if you stop and ask if she hadn't done any of this stuff what would be the answer to her question her question is look you don't have enough ships to take down everyone so you are going to select people you said it yourself you have enough to take down 700 people and you have 2200 and change you're gonna uh, select 700 people to send to the ground there's no other way so who do you think they're gonna select they're not gonna select people they're not gonna pick people from section 17 and lowest skilled or unskilled people or or you know elderly and such she is she's right like jaha was lying to everyone and he was basically planning to again decide uh, who lives and who dies. Can we not, I mean, like, granted the whole Jaha revelation of how they're going to get down to the ground happened under, you know, lack of oxygen duress. <laughs> Do we think, though, that, like, I mean, because that, that would be a solution that could still work. Yeah. Like, that is a solution, like, if she hadn't blown, you know, taken the Exodus ship and all that, mm. like, that's a solution that they still could have possibly arrived at. Right. And it would still sort of have the, like, egalitarian to it of we don't know which ships are going to blow up so guys, best of luck guys I hate to break in here but I have to come in with a well actually moment <laughs> oh shit ahead of schedule yes <laughs> oh, well actually why is it Jaha who comes up with this plan and not Sinclair or somebody else who's a fucking engineer I don't I do not understand like I honestly don't understand what Jaha's skills are like could you show me his resume? Is it just like a uh, management track, basically? Because I, I don't... I, <laughs> does, he's, he's an outside-the-box thinker. Like, well, how is yeah. that not obvious? 
I mean, this wasn't a technically complicated idea that he had. Uh, it was just an idea that never had, no, no one had before because it was so out there. This um, was it. No, and that's how Jaha thinks. He's like, look, if if we're gonna, if we're certain that option A means death, then we're gonna try this other thing that's very unlikely, but you know, but at least there is a chance. That's the kind of person that he is. Uh, the kind of person Jaha is, is he usually goes, he, he usually has two modes. Either one mode is I'm going to lie about something, or second mode is <laughs> I'm going to pretend that I'm going to sacrifice my life for something. Fuck that guy. Oh, uh, no, Jaha's terrible. Like, yeah. let's not, let's I not. I don't know what you mean by sorry, pretend to sacrifice Sorry, Danny, who's like the one, the, the one person <laughs> member of the Jaha defense squad. She's like, I hate you guys. Delete podcast. <laughs> Probably. That's fair. But, I would too if I cared about Jaha, but, but yeah. I don't. But, but seriously, I think Jaha's I mean, fascinating. He's fascinating, think, but he's like, he, he's his motives are always so questionable. Or the way he goes about doing stuff is so questionable. He's like, I'm going to stop lying now. And he keeps lying. It's just, I. I well, I mean, so far when he was lying, he wasn't the alone i mean it was the decision of the people in, uh in charge to lie yeah after they said we're not gonna lie again anymore <laughs> they were still lying to people yeah well that's so, what i mean that's what leaders that do, was the whole though. council you know that that's jaha coming up with the idea like jaha coming up with the idea was just like that was that was to serve giving his character something to do, I think. Yeah. Like, it was to serve his, like, messiah complex of, you know, leading his people. Like, it's it, it's it's a little heavy-handed and kind of, I wouldn't say out of character, but to your point, Jen, like, what are his qualifications for this? Um, yeah, I'm you gonna, know, to have come up with his I, idea. But I'm, I need to see know. a CV. I mean, I just, I, I have to, like, <laughs> I mean, does he have, like... What did, are, like, Kane's, uh, what does Kane's CV say? Kane's the enforcer, except enforcer with a heart of gold is really kind of what happens. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on and talk about character arcs and evolution. So I think, I think Joe, you and I kind of have some of the same interest in some of the character arcs that happened, um, uh, specifically around Clark. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think and I, plenty of people disagree with me. Shaheen and I had a heated conversation on Skype earlier today about this, but to me, well, I just, yeah, it was a heated conversation, but because I got heated, I don't know about you, but setting Clark up as the, the leader of Sky Crew, a lot of people are always like, well, Bellamy and Clark are co-leaders. And if you take a, if you take a really um, critical eye towards how things, how conversations occur, how th certain things break down, especially um, moving into season uh, two and three. Clark is really the CEO and Bellamy might very well be a leader, but he's a VP level leader. He's not a, he's not a C-suite level person. He's going to be a VP level person. And, and that's not disparaging towards Bellamy. I know the, the fangirls out there are going to be clutching at their pearls and deleting this podcast. And to that, I say, Shut off your fangirlism. Is not no. Shut off your fangirlism, and look at what makes Bellamy good in what he does, and what makes Bellamy weak in what he does. And the same thing with Clark. Clark is not necessarily great at getting people riled up and believing in something. That's Bellamy's job. What Clark is good at is being the strategic, 
uh, decision maker for Sky Crew. And Bellamy is very good at being the tactical decision maker. And he's that guy, if you need that one last push in the face of certain defeat to win the day, he is going to be the guy that's going to get it done. I think it's it, 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 the show sets Clark up as the leader uh, and the decider, whatever you want to call it, and Bellamy as a lesser leader at this point, but they're not co-leaders. Now, I, I will never, I will never concede that they're co-leaders because I just don't believe that that's the the way it was set up. And at the very end, in We Are Grounders Part Two, Bellamy even hands over the reins of decision making to Clark when they uh, have to, if when they have to run or stay in front of everyone. Bellamy's like Clark, what do you want to do? And Clark's like, well, we're gonna have to stay. And that's you know, afterwards she comes up with the uh, the idea about frying everybody, but. To me, it's very, very clearly here that this is this is kind of where things become very clear in in the dynamics between uh, Clark and Bellamy, and Clark and everyone else uh, for that in in that respect as well. Joe, what was your thing with Clark? I actually like I would say like I, I agree with your points in terms of her being the leader and stuff. But to to jump a little bit further back, I think that the emergence of of Dark Clark, which um, when she uh, slit the grounder's throat, uh, who was holding her her hostage, after kind of like talking to him a little bit and kind of like lulling him into the, sort of this false sense of you know she's not what is essentially like a fucking cold blooded killer. Like she slits his throat and then like holds his mouth shut and like lets him bleed out and just this look on her face of sort of not only is she becoming the leader, but she's also the leader who gets her hands dirty. I think I think in this world that they have landed in, she doesn't get to be a Jaha leader. Like she doesn't get to sort of decide things in secret and sort of have have these things happen behind closed doors. I think that we see what happens when when things get decided behind closed doors, and she doesn't prefer it in season two when she and Lexa decide to let uh, the um, Tondi C get attacked by the missile. Like that was sort of a decision behind closed doors, and she has a lot of guilt and regret about that. But when she is sort of faced with being the person to the, the sort of buck stops here kind of leader, where she's got to slit a dude's throat to save her people. Like she is down to do that. And sort of the look on her face when she kind of accepts that this is something that she is capable of. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was great. It's kind of one of those moments where you're like, Hey, the pretty blonde girl from the CW show is kind of a badass. <laughs> that was, that was one of my favorite moments as well. Cause I was like, Oh shit. She not only like held her hands over his mouth. She was just like, shh. <laughs> Right, like he's not. It's gonna be okay gonna, when you're dead. He's not gonna cry out. You've got his hand, your hands over. Oh man, I mean that was just like, all right, she, it's she, good she's, stuff. She's becoming something different. As far as uh, Shaheen, your uh, character arcs and evolution, you've got a couple here. Pick one. Pick one. Okay, I like Kane's evolution throughout this season and this episode. Which episode is it? Is it Calm? Where they're trying to get Jaha out of that the place where they're stuck. Um, yeah. This whole that whole journey is like his first trial after the calling happened and after um, his mom died, and he kind of as as it turns out, he kind of passes the ordeal. Um, at least in his own mind. So it's very interesting. And he says, no one, no one else can die because of me. So he's trying to sort of make up, he's set on, on this path to make up for what he uh, 
had been doing. And he's learning to when to not follow the law, as he says to Jaha, uh, because up until now, he's always been about following the law, following the law. And now he kind of sees that as his own weakness that led to the calling and everything. So he's kind of trying to find find the right balance of when to follow the law and when not to. He says, I mean, he says to Jaha that he basically recites this back to Jaha because this is something that Jaha said. So um, he learned that trait from Jaha, going back to what you were talking about, what is Jaha's characteristic? One of his characteristics is he has the sense of when not to follow the law. And you might think that, you know, it's this misguided or whatever, but that's how he leads and sometimes he succeeds. So anyway, Cain is trying to find the balance between himself and Jaha, I feel like. So it's very interesting to me. Yeah, I think um, also uh, riffing off of that a little bit in my notes, um, there's a lot of interaction between Cain and Wick um, in the calm. When- so hilarious. I love that. The, okay, I love so, Wick. so I so love fun. Wick too, and here's the reason. I don't know, you know, there was some controversy around the the actor, blah blah blah, whatever. But Wick served a very important purpose that I don't think anybody else does anymore. Uh, not belief. even Monty or Jasper. It's he. Wick brought some levity and some some humor, and now the show sorely lacks any fun moments. I mean, mm. I can count fun moments on one digit <laughs> from season three, um, and that was the that was the um, uh, violent femmes car scene. What about Monty and Harper? That wasn't I, I mean, fun. Was, that was know. that was that was the sex. That wasn't fun. That wasn't like, ha ha, everybody, we're having a yeah. light moment. Not funny, fun, yeah. That okay. was we might die at any moment, so let's <laughs> fuck. You know that. I mean, I think that. That the other thing that Wick sort of served, and I actually, to be honest, didn't remember him being in season one. Like, I remembered him from season two, but I didn't remember him in these episodes. Is there's a there's a moment where they're all in, like, the command area, and Wick, like, jumps in to say something. And I can't remember if it was Sinclair, maybe, yeah. who said that he doesn't know protocol. Yeah. Um, and I, I liked that his character is sort of a guy who's so low on the on the totem that he would never even be part of a conversation where he would learn, you know, that sort of protocol. Like he would never even be in the room where he would need to have that. And so I like, <laughs> I really liked that his character was somebody who was just like, Hey, I got something to say. Like, I'm, you're not better than me. Yeah. yeah he's but, the dude. But he's so strange though, because he's an engineer though. He's, he's the same as Sinclair. They make but that. But he's never in the room. Yeah. He's with like, yeah, he seems the to head. Is it like is he like a low level engineer? Is he is he uh, disposable? You know, I think I think Sinclair is a manager, and so Sinclair goes to the important meetings. And Wick Sinclair is-, is the chief engineer, and these are I'm I'm assuming whenever Wick is not on camera, he's just doing you know tightening some bolts or something. Now that's he's a mechanics something. job. That that's or, Raven's yeah, job. Whatever as, as Wick would, would be quick to point out. So let's talk a little bit about our favorite scenes. Shaheen, let's let's start with you. When they're leaving the dropship, when uh, Bellamy says we need to stay and fight, and Cl- Clark says we need to leave, and the, everybody in the, ends up listening to Clark and they're leaving. I like that scene. It's um, it's like emotional and it's I guess looks great and you know visually and everything, and it's um, an important moment, but it's also misleading because it's set up 
in a way that to me, at least, it looks like uh, the decision has been made. They're going to leave. This is the story of this episode. Them leaving the camp, going to the beach or whatever. And then <laughs> there is that ninja star. And then everything <laughs> turns around. It's like um, this narrative surprises you not just in the um, you know overall arc of the season or even half season, but also in each episode, there are things that you feel like, oh, this is being set up to be this way. And then it totally changes. But the way that it's shot, it's not shot at all as a, like a temporary thing. Like they say goodbye, they go to the graves, um, they debate over and they're like, all right, this is what we're going to do anyway. You disagree, that's fine. Yeah, so everything looks like it's finalized, but then there's the ninja star. So. I think that that's, well, first of all, I would, I would argue that it was more of a Xena chakra. But that's I was about to say, I'm like, fucking Xena chair. <laughs> well, maybe well, that will gonna... be the next show that you watch. I can't even imagine you watching six seasons of Xena. Like, I don't even know. I, I don't even, like, I, I don't like, think you I could can't... do that. I can't like how you can't shove like two magnets together with like the, the polar. <laughs> That's like Shaheen and Zena Zena. princess. Um, wow. But, but to your point about sort of the surprise that sort of happens um, and sort of the way that they subvert expectation, a, I would say that ties into my favorite scene, but B like in relation to that, I think that that was sort of one of also, again, sort of the continuing weak points of season three was especially in the finale where like we all kind of knew what was going to happen. There was very little sort of like, Oh my God, you know, that was totally unexpected. Like we kind of knew where the season finale was going. And then you're right. In this one, it was like, they're leaving. No, just kidding. Zena Shocker just killed a kid. Like, let's go back and hide, you know, wait, uh, you know, Anya's in the drop ship now. What's, you know, are they, are they going to let her get beaten to death? No, Clark is going to protect her. And now we're just going to like roast a bunch of grounders. Like, yeah. Like it was a very good, like misdirection that, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that it was a, a tease because they were going they were going east to the shore and I think they were gonna try to hook up with Luna. Right. Um another 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 like we've been teased with Luna for three seasons and we know that we finally met her in season three. Um so I think that was kind of an interesting carry through. Again exam good example of the coherence and the consistency throughout. Yeah, I mean the show does some some through lines really, really, really well. And then there's some through lines or there's some, there's some plot holes that you just have to be like, eh, and they'll just retcon that away because, yeah. you know, they didn't, they just didn't, they didn't consider something um, or they wanted to grow the show in a different area and their, their past didn't allow them to do it in a, in a cogent way. Um, well, do you know just, of an example where it's actually inconsistent? Absolutely. So, Sorry, didn't mean to like jump on in there. No, go um, ahead, because I can't think right now. So when we're like, at least uh, I would make the argument for this. Like we obviously don't have like an exact concrete example because I am not in the room with the writers or anything like that. But when Tristan comes and takes over for Anya, mm-hmm. having known where the season goes, having known where like sort of the genius of Anya, how she's such a strong leader, such a strong character and her bond with Lexa. I could not imagine Lexa sending that douchebag in there. Like he was just (laughs) such like, he was just this like, just awful bro. And (laughs) I think given where they took the characters in season two and later on in season three, I think that that was hugely inconsistent with how the show, like if we had known Lexa, if we had known, you know, 
also where they were going to write Anya's character. Um, I, I don't think that that would have happened. What exactly is the problem? Uh, I felt like the commander, we didn't know who, who he or she was at the time. They decided that Anya is getting her ass kicked by these kids. Let's send a, a reinforcement unit. And then they put that guy, Tristan, on char- in charge. So he... I didn't see a lot of... Is it that, that she's, um, that's not the way she would treat Anya? Is that the idea? Yeah, I don't think she would treat Anya that way. I think that she would have had enough trust in Anya's sort of like plan and ability to lead. And but she was failing the- already. Like she was, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, but I would Anya say that's did, not an Anya inconsistency. That's just, times. yeah, that's like a motivation that we don't know or we don't understand. Well, um, see, it's not necessarily like inconsistency would be if they said like something happened and then later they said it didn't or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I I, th- I think Lex is enough of a, a pragmatic asshole to go. Oh, you know, two chances. Step aside. I'm going to put Tristan in charge. We saw we saw the same thing with the betrayal uh, of Clark at the end of season two. Yeah. Um, we also saw in season three when she talked to Titus, you know, how she put duty above her feelings when she allowed the ice nation to join her coalition after they had killed Costia. So again, uh, I think, I think Lex is a very pragmatic leader. She'll probably be like, ah, one or two failures is, is one or two failures too many. So I'm going to put Tristan in charge. Side note, Tristan, did he, did he appear in game of Thrones as one of the wildlings? One of the cannibal wildlings. He looks awfully familiar because he's got one of them striking, Jesus Christ, you're always going to be typecast faces. And I feel like, yeah, he's one of the cannibal wildlings. Uh, Wait, what happened to Tristan? Like, I, I know this is like, I know I just watched this episode, but like, he, I remember Anya running into the dropship. But where the hell was Tristan? Kane kills him in season in the premiere season two. Yeah, he isn't he dragging Finn? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's dragging Finn along. So he's like the one he's like the one guy that uh Sir, they, there's actually so, two, there's actually two guys that survived. The one that was guarding Murphy and the and, and Tristan, and the one that was so guarding Murphy was got his, got his his shit his shit shot off by Raven. But <laughs> it was his um, poor decision making then that got all those three hundred people killed. Like he's the one then that, that I, led the Grounder Army to I, the dropship. What the fuck else was he gonna do? Is I, I, I mean he has no clue that they have this this secret weapon. That he's never been exposed to before. The grounders so just think that they're superior, but they they have they superior have the numbers. numbers. Yeah, they have the numbers and they have the 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 fighting experience. So they have no I, ability to to launch anything that kills people in large numbers. Whereas that's what the Sky Crew do really well. Why so don't they, build they don't really have a decision making process. They just attack whenever they're they don't like you. <laughs> they they have to win. Some Sorry, I'm favorite. just, this is just continuing no. my anti-grounder um, <laughs> propaganda this episode. Make Arcadia great again. <laughs> you're like the, you're like the Donald Trump of, uh, <clears throat> of the hundred. Um, <laughs> so, so, so if we're still talking about favorite scenes, I already touched on Clark slitting that dude's throat. She was absolutely ruthless there. She kicked out um, his bad knee. And then just how did she know which knee it was? Um, just he was he was limping. He was limping. Okay. Yeah, if if you watch him, he was limping. So she kicked out his bad knee and then slit his throat, covered covered his mouth with her hands, and just 
watched a man die. How to sh- was it? Uh, is it a Johnny Cash song? I shot a man just to watch him die. <laughs> um, I mean, that was like all right. <laughs> yeah, Clark's, Clark's not messing around. Clark is like, not. Clark is not fucking playing pa- patty cakes. Um, and then I so. So the to show, be fair, he gave him like he gave her like no options. He was like, "We're gonna wipe up everyone, all of your people, and you're gonna be our healer." Basically, they were like taking her captive. So it was like, "How do you expect her not to kill you?" Like, of course she's gonna kill you and get away. Like you're just yeah. So do you not well, know that she is the fucking protagonist of this show? Like, come on. <laughs> did you not read the script, dude? Seriously, <laughs> come on. Um, and yeah. then my, my second favorite mo- moment on the run sheet, it, it's not necessarily my least favorite or my second favorite moment overall, is the moment that, you know, uh, the show, I kind of I really liked the show when I started watching it. But the moment I fell head over heels in love with it is when I fucking heard <laughs> Radiohead being played in the season finale in, in some of the closing moments. <laughs> so Radiohead is my most favoritist band ever. They are the best. I will, I will fight anyone. Wait, I um, thought you were going to fight people over nine inch nails. Nine inch nails is like one of my favorites, but the, the, the pinnacle of excellence of everything is, is Radiohead. And I will bare knuckle brawl you fisticuffs, even in my weakened state where I'm hurt. Oh, I might be a little bit more dangerous. And under when I'm the in pain. Yeah, like because you're not under, feeling any pain. It's got some tramadol going. Um, got my cranberry juice going. So I'm just like, whoo. But Ready so, for a fight. So it's great. So it's playing over the arc as the the little um, little port opens, and Abby and Kane crawl out, and they they see the Earth for the first time. And then what's really great? It's also playing over um, when the dropship door opens up and Clark and everybody else kind of comes out. And the lyrics at that point in time are, we hope that you choke, that you choke and just keep repeating over and over again. (laughs) And it's like, oh, they're about to choke on this red, this red gas that these strangers from wherever are about to, to throw at them. So I was just like, I was like in love with the show at that point. But now I'm like a ride or die bitch for the show because they used Radiohead. I will I will shank a bitch for this show, <laughs> and I think I've I've done that verbally many a times in my reviews, and I've done it on Twitter. So can I get a fucking beardy, sexy, cane body pillow? CW Jason Rothenberg, somebody I just need that fucking body pillow. Come on. Um, I would say like piggybacking off of your sort of favorite moment. Um, mine was definitely when sort of we got that the the knockout gas and then Clark sort of waking up uh in in the the sterile sort of uh quarantine area um and not knowing like cuz you know we've had we've had mention of mountain men but like we had no in, in, you know inclination that they were sort of of this world like it kind of gave me a very like oh shit is this all like an illusion is this all like a simulation like where oh, yeah. where is this going and then of course like the sort of moment where and it was like a little heavy handed but i also really appreciate just the shot of clark's bare feet touching the cold ground and then pulling them back up again as in like suddenly she's a humanized girl again 
<laughs> and not someone who just barbecued like 300 people. <laughs> Side note, do we think that like the dropship door opening and like these kids are hungry, right? Like, do we think that it smelled <laughs> oh my God, good? No. No, no, like, I'm not saying that they, like, ate them, because obviously they got knocked out before they could, but, like, do we think it smelled good? I hope everybody In enjoyed honor of their... 4th of July tomorrow. 4th of July? Like 4th of July cookouts, everybody. Go enjoy those, uh, go enjoy your freedom. What the, Jesus I Christ, Joe. I do not Joe. believe that that smelled good, Joe. Oh, my God. I don't just know what Just objectively speaking, flesh. I don't think that it's... But, smelled. like, wouldn't it just smell like meat? No, no, no. Okay, okay, I mean, okay, was okay. Burnt. I, I actually, I actually, I actually do know. I actually do know. Oh. So, uh, You've done this before. Uh, I, how do I? Um, so my <laughs> brother, when he was in the army, in the army, he was an X-ray tech, and he basically, you know, had to X-ray all sorts of things when he was working at the hospital. And he said the two, the two things that that smelled the worst were burnt human flesh and bloated humans. So probably human flesh, does that include hair? Like, cause I think that's uh, probably the issue is like the smell of burning hair, not necessarily flesh. Right? No, I don't know. I think he was talking about like dead bodies, like burnt up to a crisp dead bodies that he had to, it's not just flesh. I mean, it's bones and everything. Uh, all, all that, all that shit up in there. Yeah. So it's not like you're going outside and and like, Oh, Come, come squirt some mustard on this grounder dog that we just made. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Joe, this is taking a turn. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa. You are of the, like, farm station cannibal palooza team. Look, and suddenly, not- like... I pose a hypothetical, I wonder what it smelled like, and I'm the bad guy. Look, dude, dude, don't go into detail about it. I don't, like, think too deeply. You put, like, some background thought into this. But it's no, I'm, I, you know. I'm assuming it, it smells pretty bad. Didn't, didn't Clark actually cover her nose at one point with her sleeve? But could that, could that also just be like, A, it's really smoky, B, maybe it smells like jet fuel, or C, like she is also horrified by the sight of human skulls charred to a crisp, and she's expecting that Bellamy and Finn were, you know, part of that. Or, or anybody got a slice of American cheese. So I can make a burger real quick. <laughs> really, really, we're gonna go with craft singles. Like I feel like Clark should be fancier. Like she's like a Munster kind of girl. Look, you know, people who poo-poo on the American cheese, you can just go fuck right off. Like you didn't eat cheeseburgers growing up with that plastic ass cheese on your McDonald's burgers, please. <laughs> I was, to be fair, as a child, I was more of a McNuggets person. Like if we're if we're being honest. Yeah, they didn't have they didn't really have McNuggets when I was growing up. I guess different generation. I wasn't as privileged as you. Mm, I'm like so I should check the, it. Not a, not of the Nug generation. Apparently, I guess I'm just not did, special like you. Did they have Did they have toys when you were a kid, or did you just get like oh, a no, block no, of wood no, and told to use your toys. imagination? They did have toys, and the thing with those toys was we didn't. They didn't give a fuck about choking. Oh, no. Hazards of shit. I mean, if there was like a little gun in there that shot something that could put your eye out, that was fine. Don't that worry was like about a it. collector's item. Yeah, we weren't fucking pussies back in the day. I'm sorry. I know you hate that word, Joe, but. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine in that context. It's oh, that oh, it's context. fine in that context. You don't like it in the other vagine context. Okay, I get it. <laughs> anyway, what's your favorite scene, Shine? <laughs> I think we already covered that, guys. We already covered that. 
Um, so favorite quotes then. Let's talk about some of our favorite quotes. Uh, of course, mine is I am become death, destroyer of worlds, foreshadowing up the ass, down the ass, in the ass sideways, foreshadowing all over the place. <laughs> Um, I liked not one, but two Game Over Mans. I caught those, Game too. Over Mans. I caught those. And maybe it's, like, uh, for those who don't know, they it's it's very heavily featured in the movie Aliens, um, which is a great pro-female leader ass-kicker movie starring Sigourney Weaver. It was great. Uh, but, like, for them to both, for them to use it twice when, if, if we're being honest, Sky Crew are aliens... You know, if we're if we're going for actual definitions, I just I enjoyed that, and then I also love the um, conversation between Clark and Raven, where Clark tells her that she would pick her first. Um, yeah, and like I don't too. think I didn't appreciate it as much the first time watching it, but now that I have an appreciation for both of those characters, like I can totally see the uh, princess mechanic shippers squealing with delight uh, at that conversation. I kind of really hope that for season four we get more interaction between them because I think that. As actors, they do have really good um, scene chemistry together. They do, and I, I miss I miss their working together moments. We got a lot of tension, jealous looks. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff that we don't we don't really like and associate with teen CW shit, and not a lot of the 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 good stuff that we want out of Princess Mechanic. So I hope um, hope you're right that season four brings those two closer together. In any way they want to do it. I'm open. I mean, like, I just I just want them to, like, interact more. Like, when they actually got over the... Like, when the whole Finn thing was put behind them, and they, like, were just, you know, two characters on a mission. Like, I thought their interactions together were yeah, great. they were fun. Um, yeah, anyway. And what about you, Shaheen? I had a few. Um, so, I think it when Wick, <laughs> Wick is, um, turns to Candace is like, what a bitch... Talking about Diana, what a bitch! You know, my mom voted for her. <laughs> That's, That's a great hilarious. one. I miss Wick. Yeah. Um, right. Like, why not just recast him? Not to be whatever. Like, apparently there was a problem behind the scenes that. Um, right, but like, why not Denise... just have the character still? Recasting is weird. He was such a minor character that he did need to be recast. I mean, if it's a moral issue, then I I don't know. If, yeah. What else? So we talked about Kane saying no one else can die because of me. Also, in line with my anti-grounder propaganda, um, <laughs> Lincoln acknowledging what my people are doing to yours is wrong. Thank God one person, one grounder realizes that they're what they're doing is wrong. And that, that guy, that one guy is a traitor. From here on out, he is considered a traitor because he doesn't want to murder people. Getting on to some of the interesting tidbits that you guys we have. Like, like no comment. <laughs> well, I no. don't. I don't want to get into uh, another our grounders good or bad. Yeah, because I yeah no, like, I don't want to get bar- into that I either. Barely, I just, yeah, like I barely tracked that conversation. To be honest with you, I was like, I don't know what I'm saying right now. Um, so, but I'm just going to keep talking, and that's not yeah. a good thing. Some of the interesting tidbits. So you already talked about, uh, Joe, you already talked about Tristan coming in and taking over. Yeah. I think think that the only thing really left is the Clark Griffin concussion watch. Yeah, Um, I have her at two now. Like times that, well, didn't she, wait, 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 wait. Like, are we talking, I guess concussion should like be all encompassing of uh, unconscious, in which case it's been a lot. Like there was. A concussion is a very specific brain trauma. 
just falling unconscious is not like concussion. Like if she goes crazy in season four, uh, by the way, idea, she could go crazy in season four and we're, we're proposing it right now. This is the uh-huh. genius of our podcast, guys. This is why you cannot okay. miss May We Geek again. It, because of the, what, what is the, what is the injury, injury called with the repeated concussions? Well, whatever. So concussions to me are very specific. So yeah. I could like I, jump I on the train t- if I, um, I, yeah, no. I, I no. have her at two concussions. So She's you're counting every time someone hits her on the head, you're counting that as a concussion? Yes. I don't, is that true? Like every time someone hits you on the head, is that a no? Concussion? It depends on how hard you get hit. You have to right. you have so to like, pass the uh, concussion protocol for it to be not a concussion, mm-hmm. um, or for you to be cured of the concussion. But not every not every hit on the head is a concussion. Like you know, what we didn't talk about, and this just occurred to me: Murphy what? straight up killing a, a fuck ton of kids. Oh like, yeah, Murphy. We totally like, I just lost realized over we did Murphy. Not even he, talk like, about... he killed a fuck ton of people and he uh hung Bellamy. He was great and he shot Raven. Yeah, like I feel like of MVPs, Dude. I'm sorry, let me actually take revoke Dark Clark. I'm gonna give it to Murphy. Like shit shitlord Murphy was like on his game. Uh and it kind of foreshadowed honestly what happened with um uh Carl Emerson Mountweather security detail of like don't let a bitch go. Like they will come oh. back. That that is a bad <laughs> yeah. idea. Like yeah. don't. I was just oh, like oh, shit. Yeah. I was just like Murphy is learning about restraint. Is <laughs> 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 uh, practicing with the boundaries of restraint. He he does specifically only target those who did him wrong, which I I guess to give him some sort of credit. But yeah, he does really fuck some people up. Yeah. Yeah. Murphy is not the one to be like, you kind of see that and you're like, there's something smart and terrifying about him. And it didn't look like he had a plan, did it? Like, what was what was he going to do if Jasper didn't hadn't seen him? Was he just going to kill those guys and these those two guys and then that's it? Let it go. Or was he going to take revenge on Bellamy also? It looks like he. Oh, my God. He's he's the he's the Arya Stark of the hundred. Oh my god, he totally is. <laughs> yeah, he, he morphs into like different he characters. Fun. He's Flamekeeper Murphy. He's like Dr. Murphy. He's uh, Follower Murphy. He's totally Arya. Wow. Listeners, you can't go anywhere else and get this type of insight. Murphy <laughs> is the Arya Stark. He is, he, a boy has no name. Or a boy I mean, he did no for one. a while, right? We didn't find that his name, what his name was for a while, right? We didn't find out that he was John, right? Well, I, d- I don't know. No, we knew from from the pilot, actually. Oh, never mind. Yeah, so I, <laughs> so I think he probably would have he probably would have like hung out and been like on the down low, and then gone after Bellamy when the the opportunity presented itself, mm-hmm. and then been like, if he got away with that, he would have been fine. He'd been like, eh, I'm good, until somebody crosses him again, and then he's like, ah, oh, <laughs> recites his list every night before he goes to bed. Yeah, Murphy was uh, a big, huge agent of chaos um, in these these last five episodes because th- was the um, yeah he he brought the grounder flu with him as well. I mean, he was just like the smallpox blanket, killed a bunch of people. He hung Bellamy, he shot Raven, and, and then, then he disappeared season- into the night. And then in season two, it's just like ah, uh, I guess you're good with us again. 
I don't know. Yeah, they've got like strange rules for forgiveness in this world. Can we put the put the Clark concussion watch at two? Uh, that's what okay. I'm thinking it is. Uh, oh, other interesting tidbits. Okay, so real talk, guys. Real talk. I think I watched the I think I watched the finale last night, and this might be the drugs. But Good preface. <laughs> Um, and the, the pain and discomfort that I'm in, but I, I seriously, you guys, I teared up when the Blakes separated, like I legit had, had moisture coming out of my eyes and this show doesn't do this to me a lot. I find other shows a bit more impactful for me emotionally than, than this particular show, but I really enjoyed that moment where they kind of where Bellamy said, you know, I, I told you that the worst thing to, to happen to me was you being born, but the truth was you were the best thing that happened to me. I'm getting, oh, my God. No, that's it's totally the drugs. It was so heavy. <laughs> uh, like, it was like, uh, like it, I remember distinctly, like, groaning at the TV about that. Oh, for like, fuck like, you. Fuck you, you emotionalist robot. It was a good scene. I mean, I'm also an only child, so it could be either one of those reasons. But I was just like, ugh, God. Shaheen, did you have feeling about it? Um, I think we've established uh, that neither of you have feelings. Team robot, <laughs> team robot, team robot. No, I I didn't cry or anything, but it was, um, yeah, I guess I had feelings. Yeah, um, I just, I just like. don't, one thing that I don't get about, I have a peculiar view about family, which is, you know, basically friends that you didn't choose. So if you really like, if, if you can't stand one of your family members, I don't, I don't see the point of sticking around them. This kind well, of drama is always like, yeah, you, so like, you, yeah. you don't, but obviously the Blakes are true family. They say things to hurt one another out of their own pain. It's not like they are truly estranged from one another at this point in time. Trust me, uh, from somebody who is estranged from family and has chosen to not associate with people who I just happen to share blood with, there are some very different dynamics going on between real life, get the fuck out of my life, you're a toxic piece of shit, versus the Blakes. I mean, I guess because uh, this kind of thing happens on shows like you know, you're, you ruined my life, but I'm still gonna ruin my life again to save you or whatever, because well, you're my he, brother. And it's like, why? That but guy it wasn't is true. an asshole. Just don't. It wasn't true. No, I'm not saying it's true in this particular case necessarily. So yeah, when they were saying to each other, like, I hate you, you, when my life ended when you were born, uh, that was just kind of a little, ex a little extreme, yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't really what they meant. It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just people saying hurtful things to lash out in anger, but they don't really mean it. I mean, yeah. this is elementary school stuff, guys. So I like that there's tension between we need them. To, but yeah. yeah, I mean, the, so. the, the tension is fun and all, but I, I, I found this Everything is kind of exaggerated on this show. Maybe Everything. It, <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. Maybe yeah. it is the drugs, um, but I, I like that moment. So did we have any well-actually moments besides the one that I, I broke in with earlier? I had one. Okay. I don't know how good this is, but uh, I was I paid very close attention to the guy's armor, the guy that Clark killed. Oh, of course you like, did. Jesus. Because she tricked him to like open his uh, armor or whatever it was around, around his neck and on, on his body that was protecting him. She tricked him by asking him, like, 
how many kills do you have? And, you know, so she opened the, he opened the thing, but I feel like the place that Clark ended up cutting him wasn't even protected in the first place. The way that that armor was built. So I don't, I don't yeah. think that was the point. I think, I think kill marks introducing us to the kill marks thing might've been the point. Of Not course, exposing of his throat. So. I mean, it serves a, in the story. It's like Clark wanted to do this, but we are also being introduced to this concept, yeah. Yeah. So that's not the greatest. I think our well actually is are kind of lagging this week. So sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, uh, listeners. So, sorry, listeners. We have failed. So our next episode, episode five, will be covering season two, episodes one through four. Um, I just want to remind everybody to uh, tweet us um, questions or comments at May We Geek Again on Twitter. We're also on Facebook at May We Geek Again. You'll notice that I'm not including the dub 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 stuff in there because I got embasted by Joe last time. Like I'm old. You got no 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 schooled educated. Um. <laughs> no, I got I got insulted and made to feel bad, but that's fine as long as you made yourself feel good. I mean, I guess that's the whole point Duh. of it all. So uh, we're we're in the midst of kind of this death valley of TV right now in the summer. You guys have any TV shows to recommend, either um, uh, on TV right now or stuff to to watch on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, etc. I'm watching Better Call Saul, or I finished, so that was fun. Have you have you started Twelve Monkeys yet? No, not yet. Sigh. A lot of what I watch is, um, I don't know if it's technically TV. I watch, uh, live streams and, and recorded videos of people playing video games. <laughs> um, which is probably like the <laughs> awesomest way to waste your time. Um, if that's your uh, thing and that's my thing. So that's okay. You're on yeah. Twitch. You, you're watching Twitch. I think wasting time is a very awesome thing to do. Um, so yeah, that's all I ever do. I watch them on Twitch, on YouTube, and then I, I play, play them sometimes. I, I will awesome. admit to watching Hearthstone on, on, so. uh, on Twitch. Well, occasionally. So but Better Call Saul is, is a good show. Yeah. Better Call Saul. It's uh, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was, but it's, it's fantastic. It dips enough. It dips its toe enough into the whole, um, Breaking Bad universe without, but is, feels like a completely separate show. And, you know, I don't think you have to have a background in Breaking Bad to watch Better Call Saul. I mean, there's some stuff that it, that's going to happen that will tie the two shows together, but I don't think it's it's a necessary precursor to watching uh, Better Call Saul. Um, Joe, yeah. what are you watching? Still watching 12 Monkeys. Uh, finished uh, Winona Earp, um, which for people who, if you're considering it, because it's another show on sci-fi, um, it's sort of like Buffy meets Gilmore Girls with like a splash of Fargo is kind of how splash I would describe it. Fargo. I think Fargo would roll over in its grave and slap If we're talking you. about like big, expansive, like wilderness things and it's cold and people are bundled up and, you know. That's just winter. That's- <laughs> it's just North Dakota, man. That's yeah. That's North Dakota. Uh, yeah, that's North Dakota. You ask, you ask me what I'm castle. watching. I tell you what I'm watching, and yeah, oh, and, and, and we're we're a couple episodes into uh, into Outlander. Which, if we're going to talk about them kidnapping a healer, you know, apparently <laughs> this is a common theme among primitive societies when you 
find someone who might know a little something about keeping people alive, you want to kidnap them. So, this is what I've learned. Yeah. So pro tip, if ever you're going to be part of a, uh, an apocalyptic society or be or shot back travel. in time, have mm-hmm. some fucking healing skills because you won't be killed off. They will simulate you into their society. <laughs> um, and in Outlander's case, we'll, uh, you'll have a lot of sex. Oh I haven't gotten to the God. sex yet. I've been, oh, I've been told Lord. about the sex. There's I have not gotten to the sex yet. Sex uh, all from the, over the place. Apparently. I'm, I'm waiting. Question. Yeah. Can I ask yeah. a question? Speaking of healers, um, when they <laughs> said, when Anya says our healer is gone, does she mean Nyko or does she mean Lincoln? I, I, that's, that is so weird and unclear. I have no idea. I think that's, oh, well, actually. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, there's I, nothing indicating that, like, there's nothing contradicting that she means Nyko, but it's like, mm, is was he Lincoln permanently a healer, gone? Yeah, or? I think Lincoln was a healer. The I don't know. Thing, he though, had some stuff with him. He had some medicine, and he was buddies with Nyko, so maybe he just has medicine around because he, he learned may- a couple of things from Nyko and, you know, whatever. Maybe um, each village has a healer, so... When when we're talking about tree crew and healers, there's more than one. That is my only assumption mm. as far as how they could get get past that discrepancy. Because um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't because because Nico is. You want to have um, more than one like per village. You want to have healers per yeah, village. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure Sean I could go of... into why grounders are the worst. And their societal makeup <laughs> sucks dick, but I kind of um, felt, thought that um, I kind of rationalized it by you know maybe Nyko is the healer and Lincoln was in training and now they're both Nyko is for some reason unknown gone and Lincoln is a traitor because he's peaceful. So yeah, I mean, shouldn't healers be peaceful? Like, is that not <laughs> is did the Hippocratic Oath not not survive the apocalypse? Yeah, do we? Probably, probably not. So, um, I am watching 12 Monkeys as well. It just keeps getting better and better and better. I like legit cried at the end of the last episode. I'm sure. You've been crying a lot lately. Like, you have some feelings about things. Well, I think 12 Monkeys, 12 Monkeys, shut up. (laughs) 12 Monkeys does really great character building. Um, they spend a lot of time with the characters and the relationships between them probably better than, uh, there are a lot of shows that do it better than the hundred, to be honest with you, because they're the hundreds cast is so sprawling and they can't fit all this stuff in. But I mean, I was, I, there were some really legit emotional moments and good news. 12 monkeys has been renewed for a season three. So, um, so I can't wait to see who the big bad's going to be in season three. And then I, New show alert, new show alert, also on the sci-fi Oh, yeah, network. how's Killjoys? Killjoys is fucking fantastic. I just okay. made that up on the spot. It's got a female kick-ass lead and two male leads. One is um, Aaron Ashmore, who is the cutest person on the face of the fucking earth. Oh, I could just, oh, I could just do many <laughs> things with him. Squeeze his little cheeks. Yes, and uh, so they play um, bounty hunters. Um, but obviously there's a deeper backstory to, to everybody in the show. And, uh, season two just started this past Friday. They're doing a lot of expanding of the, the secondary roles within the, the show. 
um, which is really good because they have some they have some fun and interesting auxiliary characters that they they bring in. I, but it's it's one of those shows that can be dark, but it doesn't it, it can go dark, but it doesn't dwell there, and it has a lot of fun, lighthearted moments. So it kind of hits that sweet spot of action and dark and character development and fun times and big laughs and stuff like that. So love it. I watched one episode of Lady Dynamite on Netflix. Uh, it's a it's comedy. It's a weird show. It, it's a comedy starring Maria Bamford, and it is fucking psychotic, loony awesomeness. It's funny. It's weird. It breaks the fourth wall in ways that it don't make any sense because it'll then not break the fourth wall when it should. It's just really fucking fun. Um, and Maria Banford, I think this is like an autobiographical story where she she had to commit herself for uh, mental illness. So this is kind of her story of it all, um, and it's just it's just fantastic. I think she's a she's a great underrated comedian. And then the other thing I want to recommend is um, Bo Burnham's latest uh, stand up on Netflix. I can't remember what it's called, but it's really good. I haven't seen a lot of him before. He's very, very different from other comedians, and he's like the unhappiest comedian on the face of the earth, but he'd never let you know it. Um, so I recommend that, too. It's it's an interesting watch, um, especially how he kind of ends it, and it's kind of a, an interesting, introspective, makes-you-start-thinking type of stand-up show, basically. So I uh, enjoyed that a lot. And of course, my guilty, my guilty pleasure, Big Brother, Big Brother, <laughs> yeah, Team Frank, go. Oh, but anyway, I understood some of those words. Yeah, but so I think this wraps it up, guys. You can go to North Dakota and, and like make a casserole, pretend we're in Fargo. <laughs> you know, like I don't need your oh. shit about about oh, hey there, Winona Earp. Like you watch it. I don't pretend it. that you don't. The last thing I thought, I know all of these fucking shows are filmed in Canada. So I'm like, oh, that's probably Saskatchewan or some other place that has a lot of open space and snow. I don't fucking know these things. But I'm like, I'm not like, oh, this is like Fargo. Either the TV show or the movie. I can't tell which. Golly, it's so hard to tell. We have just like completely lost any uh, Middle America <laughs> audience members with your podcast. wildly offensive Midwestern accent. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Chicago, y'all. I'm like, I eat Chicago dogs. Okay, go Cubs. Ugh. Go Bears. Ugh. Go P.S. That is not pizza. Like, we'll get into this another time. Fuck you. That is the best. Deep dish pizza. is not pizza. Oh, you are fight. so wrong. All That's- right. Until what? What are we doing for next time? Uh, season two, episodes one through four. Hey guys, it's Jen here with a quick programming note. Uh, we got a little distracted at the end of this podcast and unfortunately forgot to record a proper outro. Sorry guys. Um, but I wanted to thank y'all for listening. Please join us in two weeks for our May We Geek Again episode five. And I believe Joe has a message for y'all. I have to pee.